Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host KB, and this podcast brings you the audio experience of GameDev.TV. Now, let's get right into the podcast. How do you feel about the podcast, the GameDev.TV podcast? I've, I've, I, I'll hold my hand up and say I've not listened to every single one of them. No, that's fine. I, I find it. I find it interesting just hearing different aspects of what you guys talk about. And even one of the things that really, um, I think, resonates is the questions that come up are things that are obviously a lot of them from the community as well. So actually hearing questions from a different angle is brilliant because you kind of get, especially as an instructor, you kind of get cocooned in sort of like this teacher world and then actually hearing the real world coming at you as well enables you to think slightly differently and obviously incorporate some of that back into the courses as well. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. It's like the conversations we have, it's just us trying some things. We're like, Hey, does this work or does not work? Or how do you feel about maybe like VR or the new blender stuff? And it just leads to different conversations that I think is great for everyone to hear. Yeah, definitely. So what are you, what has it been like doing unreal C plus plus remastered? Oh, it's, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been challenging as well. C++ isn't something that I knew very well before I started. know um, some other languages quite well. Uh, Python was one that I studied quite in depth and is very useful when uh, doing Blender. Obviously, you can automate the entire system if you want to in uh, using Python. Uh, so getting, getting your feet wet in C++, it's, it's not something to dive into um blindly <laughs> there's a lot of things to trip you up because it's such a powerful language and it took me probably about a month or so of deep dive in it before i realized well that thing clicked in my head and i've just been enjoying it ever since the challenge of it and also just developing the course as well improving the course has been the the, the biggest thing that i think um i've brought along just being able to polish things up i mean you guys have seen the uh building escape prototype i had so much fun doing that oh my gosh it's amazing i remember when i saw it i was like what this is what it's gonna be like yeah and actually the new video is really good too yeah yeah and um um i mean a couple of months back um it wasn't really a rough patch in my life or anything but i had um I, i know you guys have been going where is it where is it i want more lectures um well fortunately that rough patch of moving house and trying to get the office all set up and everything um all out of the way now and trying to get around five basically a lecture a day as a minimum to keep you going over the weekend as well um and we're up to 10 lectures in now on the um building escape and there's going to be about 40 maybe ish (laughs) by the end of the section it's always funny when you get into teaching it you suddenly can open up a can of worms for yourself you you start teaching a topic and you realize that ah there's another thing you need to learn first before you dive into that or a little thing crops up like the the other day um my default level started loading up something different from what it was before okay this is going to happen to other people as well let's get this in nice and early because it's something that if left to later on in the course, people always ask, why didn't you just mention this earlier? So those things happen all the time. Oh, yeah, I see that all the time. And I'm like, you know, it just happens, mistakes. You never yeah. know until you start doing it. Yeah. Is there a yeah. timeline for Unreal C++ Remastered? Is, is it a battle tank after So the building escape yeah. section is what I can give you at the moment and aiming to complete that before Christmas. Um, okay. So all being well, that section will be 
all done and polished by Christmas. And then then it's on to Battle Tank. And then after that is the testing grounds. And we've got some ideas in the in the back end for that at the moment. It may take on a slightly different guise to get to the point quicker. One of the criticisms of those two sections, despite them being very comprehensive, is they're very big. So we aim for between 30 to 40 at a push 50 lectures in a section and battle tank i think it's 127 and testing grounds is 130 of there's lots of juicy content in there but we really want to condense it down so it's not such a long journey so um anybody taking the course can get that quick win we all want that quick win don't we no i know how that feels you're like dang it's still like 100 lessons left but no, yeah. it's really good and i think everybody would like to know at least i i don't know but how'd you get started with gamedev.tv in the day and how did it all get started oh well, a, a long story i cut it as, as short as yeah, i can it's... so uh ben and i met many years ago through a mutual friend and we've kind of bounced off of one another worked together for many many years and i was up in nottingham in the uk um basically fixing people's computers and ben nagged me a couple of times will, will you come and uh do this what do you think to this come on give it a go and i did and you know i've not looked back so um the unity course he was just wrapping that up i think when i started the blender course so right from the very beginning that's awesome i remember i saw some old videos and you guys were going to the prototypes and i was like wow you guys have been together for a long time yeah long long time <laughs> yeah <laughs> But um, were you always into art in Blender, or how was that? Um, well, not necessarily Blender, but I, I, ever since I was little, I think I've always been geared towards art and music and that sort of um, um, outlet for myself. I'm, where I grew up, I grew up in like the middle of nowhere, so music and art were a great escape from being trapped in the countryside. Don't get me wrong, countryside is brilliant because um, I could play my piano and guitar as loud as I wanted to without any complaints from next door. Uh, but yeah, I've always been into art. Um, at high school, I was playing around with things like, um, it was I think it was SolidWorks back then or something along those lines. I can't remember. It was many, many years ago. Not, not that I'm that old, but the mind does falter. Um, yeah, and then at university, um, I did industrial design and technology. And then I started playing around with things like um, SketchUp. It was owned by Google back then, now Trimble. And I stumbled uh, upon Blender. And obviously, it's just gone from strength to strength. And that's really what's what's uh, what's made me stick with it. It's, a, it's a very much like a, a Tesla. You get those updates all the time to the car that make it feel like a brand new car. Blender's being updated so quickly compared to many other programs out there it does feel like you've got a new product and even better it's free yeah that's the best part about it and it's getting better and better it's starting to compete with Maya when it comes to like the, the stuff that you can do inside blender it's amazing oh, especially totally, blender 2.8 yeah. what do you love the most about blender 2.8 oh so much it's it's much more stable it's the most stable version of blender i've had ever had um but I, th I think the biggest thing uh, that came along with 2.8, and I think most people would agree with this, is that the EV rendering engine, being able to see something, maybe not as as brilliantly as cycles could render something out, but in about a 60th of the time is just brilliant. Just being able to quickly iterate through your models, just seeing and checking things out, that makes a huge difference. It's akin to playing more with Unreal, 
um, or Unity, uh, when you actually start playing with the materials, you show it shows up in real time. You can move things around, and you're not waiting en- ages for something to render out. Um, I still use cycles a lot of the time, but uh, Eevee's the go-to for most things when I'm prototyping. Have you tried to make the Cybertruck, the Tesla Cybertruck, in a Blender? <laughs> <laughs> no. I've seen so many memes. And I'm like, oh yeah, the, the Cybertruck yeah, is. Yeah. When I saw it, I was like, now I'll, I'll, I'll probably not a popular opinion, but I like different. Um, I'm into my electric cars, and when the first generation Leaf came out, I got one. Yeah, it looks odd, but I don't care. It, it did what I want to do, and I'm sure plenty of people would just get that truck because it's so different. Yeah. Now they really got like 200,000 plus orders, and it, like I think it looks cool. It grows on you once you like look at it for a while. You're like, you know what? It's not bad. Yeah, you feel like you're playing, maybe sat in a car that you'd have played in the computer games in the 80s. Exactly. I, I don't know, I get a DeLorean feeling from it. Yeah. Oh, the stainless steel, yeah. I expect someone will strap what well, they already have, I'm sure, the, the two exhausts that the DeLorean had. They just have to go back in time now. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be brilliant. Yeah. Oh, yes. What are, uh, what are some tricks and tips you would suggest for people using Blender? some like top tricks i suppose i mean it depends what you're trying to do in blender of course uh, one of the, one of the biggest things that i see p- people fall foul of um i use rendering as a quick example but it happens it probably happens in all walks of life as well so you're rendering something out and you render it at 4k and uh, 3000 samples it takes you five years to render and then you show it off to people and it was the default cube you know it, Spending a lot of time when you're supposed to be prototyping is always uh, just a bad thing to do. It's a waste of your time. It's a waste of your computer's time and energy as well. You know, some powerful rigs you're rendering with a graphics card. I think my computer will pull 400 watts when it's rendering. And that's a nice little space heater. So whether whether you're rendering something out or whether you're modeling something or you're sculpting something, Get the base things done first. So rather than trying to go for that end result straight away, get get your block modeling done and then move on from there. Um, if you're designing game assets that are all supposed to fit together, if you focus really on the detail on your first one, you will probably spend a week doing that. And if, if it's for your game, you may change your mind after you've got it in the game and played around with it. And you go, oh, no, I've just wasted six days and I've only got one model out of it. Whereas if you had focused on just some low poly varieties, some quick models, got six or seven out there, got them in game and went, ah, no, I want to do this with them. You'd have found out a lot sooner. So I I think not burying your head until you've got what is going to be your final project is probably the biggest, uh, biggest tip that I can give to people just to save them a ton of time. I agree. I remember when I was doing the um, Blender environment course with the bridge. And then I was yep. doing, uh, I made a Brooklyn Bridge, but like I would follow each uh, video. And then at one point I just started going off my own and I realized I could have made it so much faster if I just watched some of the videos and um, all the tricks and tips helped me, would have helped me do it faster. I, yeah, I, I don't know, because some, sometimes, you know, if you, if you do that, you learn something that you wouldn't have got otherwise when you then go and watch the later videos, you're like, ah, if I had known that before, I could have done it a different way. But now, you've, now you know two ways of doing that thing. Exactly right. Yeah, I learned a lot too, and it's cool. You just—it's amazing what you can do if you just challenge yourself. 
I was just like, you know, let me see if I could do it. And then I just started watching videos. Started, I really like it took me like a month or and a half. And then it, I was so impressed. I was like, wow, I can't believe I, I did this. And I, I before I didn't really make anything with Blender that like that complicated. So just yeah, I mean, that bridge is um, exactly what I was talking about about keeping it simple. You know how we start with a cube, yeah, and we cut a hole out of a cube, and then we repeat. Just it's it's a cube for most of its life, but it's amazing how just a little bit of lighting with that. You're, you're able to create that environment without spending hours of on t of time modeling and then of course you can just quickly slap a uh, Perlin noise texture as a normal map and boom you've got, you've got a basic ground going on yeah it's amazing you get like simple bridge and you're like hey, it's a win and you move up to more complicated more complicated stuff or even if you're trying yeah. to make something complicated make like a small one like i'll make a pole and then i'll make the little like cables and i'll make this and i'll put it together and you're like wow those, yeah, all those totally. little wins, Ma making minuscule. things in components is is mm -hmm. definitely a way to win. Yeah. Now, when working on art and Blender and stuff like that, what can you do every day to continue to improve? Um, so I uh, for, personally, what I do is time box myself, because then you start to focus on what's important on your model, and you don't get distracted by the shiny thing that you think that you might want on your model. So um, small task, literally make it a small task and set yourself an arbitrary limit. It might be 10 minutes if you're, if you're in a lunch break or 15 or up an hour. You know, I wouldn't go more than an hour with a little bit of modeling, but focus on one specific thing when you're doing that. So you may be focused on lighting one time so using the bridge example you're focused on creating a scene with silhouettes in it and just focus on lighting that scene to keep it interesting the the next time you may be focused on texturing so you keep your models simple in that case so you can practice uv unwrapping and it's it's like anything the more you practice it you start to realize patterns now i will bring uv unwrapping up again because it's it's my bugbear i hate doing it and I just wish there was a button that would do it for me. But, um, well, I suppose there is, but it's not very efficient when it comes to applying your textures later on. And especially bad if you want to do some hand-painted textures or something along those lines. So I would definitely re recommend that every day you make your task small. Rather than trying to f find a small task, make that task small and time box it to a few short minutes, up to an hour and no more. And then move on to the next thing. So... If you've got perhaps a break in the morning and a break in the evening, you can do two things in that day. And as we mentioned before, get that quick win. Exactly. It's all about getting those wins, making something every day, even if it's really small. Even if you don't have time, feel like you don't have time, just try to do something. Even if it's like 10 minutes. I agree. Now, what would you say this someone who says if they need to go to art school or if they can do just courses or to be a to get a job in the game industry? I think the most critical thing when it comes to um, applying for any job, uh, no matter which path you take with edu education, is being able to create a portfolio. Mm -hmm. uh, what I've always recommended to people with their portfolios is when you've finished a bit of work, stick it in there and perhaps have, I'm pulling arbitrary numbers out of the sky here, but um, let's say you've got 10 pieces of artwork in there try and make them varied we don't want to see all low poly you know you might want a, a varied amount of different styles in there perhaps a focus on sculpting those sorts of things and 
if you're creating a portfolio, when you reach maybe 10, pull out your old work and put in a new one on top. So you've got this constantly rolling portfolio. Um, and that, that's great for a general portfolio of showing off your skills to people. And what's even better is keeping a portfolio, I'd recommend for anyone, because it shows you your progression. It's so easy to just move on with your life and just keep creating blend files and never referring back to them. So print out your stuff. Keep it in physical copies. If it's something you're really proud of, print it out and stick it on the wall. Now, one thing I will say is if you're going into a game industry and you're actually applying for a job, do some actual research for that job as well. If you're applying for Naughty Dog, they're probably not interested in low poly modeling. <laughs> you know, it's that sort of thing. So make sure your portfolio uh, is geared towards the job you're applying for. If you're applying for a rigging and animation job, them seeing your low poly artwork is not going to cut it. They want to see videos of how you've animated things. Um, if you're going for VFX, all of these things blend capable of, of course. Again, modeling is not going to be the strong point there. It's how you've managed to blend reality or your 3D models with effects, explosions, whatever, whatever it happens to be. So I, I would say that a personal portfolio, brilliant to see your own progress. And then when you're going through a job, make sure that whatever they're looking for is what you're providing them. Otherwise, they'll look for it and go, oh, this is brilliant, but we're not looking for that today. And they'll move on to the next person who has provided those things. What would you use to create a portfolio, like a website, or do you have a certain type of area to put your artwork in? Um, as I said, what, what I tend to do is print it out personally. Okay. Um, you could, by all, by all means, you've got uh, places like ArtStation online. You can make your own website. It depends how you want to approach. It. I know some some people are more private people, so they like keeping their stuff private and not putting it out there to the web. Uh, often that comes along with confidence when you feel like you've got to a certain step. Um, I know we see this on the community sites a lot. Someone shares uh, a simple wedge <laughs> back in the uh, day, uh, early part of the Blender course and. The wedge is, is fine and it's great and we encourage people to share even though it's just a wedge. And I think that's one of the um, the keys there is actually sharing your work and being comfortable with sharing it. But yeah, how you feel comfortable creating a portfolio, providing you're creating one, I think that's more important than where you put it to begin with. Of course, if it is online, you can just point your the, the people who you're applying a job for you can point them at your work or perhaps your youtube channel if it's animations and those sorts of things what if someone doesn't know what kind of artist they want to be or that's a that's a tricky one how do you know what sort of artist? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're trying to trip me up now so yeah. if you're unsure i mean on one angle you might say well if someone's really that unsure perhaps it's not for them yet and there will be some people that end up falling into that category um if you've got a pull towards something i mean a lot of people have pull, pulls towards uh, sci-fi uh, and people tend to model what they really like and so i i would say if you wanted to get into certain types of art styles it's just a matter of trying it with something small first and making sure you can get towards that style. Um, tune shading is, is one particular um, style that doesn't always suit particular models. So you start to learn how shaping your models or angling them at an appropriate angle. Suddenly you can see features that otherwise just get blown out by the, 
the severe contrast that tomb shading or cell shading has on a model. No, I agree. Now, if somebody wanted to do like 2D art, how would they get better at drawing? Would you say like practice anatomy one day a week, practice um, like um, shading another day? How would you go with them? That's uh, that, it depends. What, so, so if we're just talking about general 2D stuff, um, I would say keep a pen and paper with you at all times. I mean, these. I mean, I've I've got an iPad, which is great because I can draw on that, and that's often with me wherever I go. I, I think a lot of people um, forget that they can use a simple, even a biro. You know, you don't need great tools to become a great artist. And a lot of people strive for these tools. I see people posting about, can I get a whack? Oh, you know, I need a Wacom to do drawing. Well, no, I've, I, I remember back with, um, in the days of the Amiga, I had Deluxe Paint 2, I think it was called. And I was drawing stuff with my mouse. So I, I th <laughs> that's a load of folly thinking that you need a stylus and everything else. Of course, it's much quicker using a, a, a proper tool for it. But yeah, um, Try not to make excuses for yourself when you're going out there and, oh, I would do this now if only I, I had this piece of equipment or if only I had the time. It doesn't take long. If you spend five minutes per hour doing something, you'll get good at it. Obviously, if you can spend a bit more focused time, it'd be great. And perhaps you're a, you're a, a closet artist waiting to come out. If you find, if you look at your notepad that you have next to you all the time, if it's full of doodles that's always a key that there's something wanting to break out there <laughs> people got like what like stacks of uh sketchbooks but they never post anything never. <laughs> <laughs> it's like come on put out your work show the world yeah totally i mean i i suffer from i suffer from this quite a bit i was doing a, um, an example uh, for the uh, section in the blender course that the game asset pack section that we're currently producing and i've done a um what do they call it a sarcophagus and i go through the uh, different levels of detail that you might go through when you're creating it and explaining that if you have a low poly thing it takes you five minutes to do if you've got this high poly thing with engravings on it you probably spent a week on it and you've got to pick somewhere in between depending on what you're trying to create and i show these mock-ups to um some friends and they're like wow you're amazing and i'm just looking at my own artwork and going no i've, ha I've had to rush that to to get this lecture out so that's not amazing that's rubbish and so your standards often you end up putting your own ability down quite a bit because you know you could do better if you had more time and i think a lot of artists um suffer from that oh if i only had a bit more time to polish out that bit there or remodel that bit over there and i think an important skill is knowing when to just say ah i must stop now and going back to the question earlier on that what you can do to improve spending a small amount of time in time boxing things is how i managed to do those things so i literally gave myself five minutes i opened up blender and went right started a stopwatch and by the end that was my lowest detail sarcophagus and that was it <laughs> it looked rubbish but it's done i could now bring that into a game engine in place it could be moved around and the worst case of course is if you spent a week on doing something and you decide to remove it as i said earlier you've wasted a week Perhaps your scene no longer includes a sarcophagus. You're like, ah, I wish I'd only include included the uh, low poly version. 
I think that applies to like everything. You'll spend weeks doing something, being like, "Oh, I got to get it perfect," and you never need it. Or you yeah. spend the week going like, "Wow." Or for the same thing with the Brooklyn Bridge I was doing, it came to a point where I was just like, everything was just taking too long to render, or just, just things weren't, you know, weren't perfect. But I was like, "No, nah, this is gonna take me forever to get it like perfect, perfect." So like, I did what I wanted to do, and it's done. Move on to the next one. Yeah, it, it, you gotta pick uh, your phases, right? You first first have to get it, your POC out, get something that resembles what you want, then work on your MVP, and then perfect stuff. Exactly, yeah. And too many people forget about that and just focus on one thing. What amazes you the most about what the students create? I get really blown over when someone takes what they've learnt and they just iterate upon it. Um, like you were saying about the bridge, I, I stop my example after I've put the, uh, what did I call it, a guardhouse on, on the uh, bridge itself in the environments course. But seeing what, and obviously I'm time constrained within what I can show in a lecture so it doesn't bore people, so, and all that sort of stuff. So when it comes to, okay, I'm a student and I've taken that lesson, I go off and I, instead of spending two hours on the entire project, I spend two weeks on it. And the stuff you get coming out of it, absolutely phenomenal. And especially when they take it and do something completely different, not a bridge, but they then use all of those skills that they've learned and apply it to something else. That really blows me away. That shows me that they're, they're really taking on board what they're being taught and that they know it inside out because they practiced by doing something else linked to the lecture that they're doing. Now, what do you think is the importance of learning in different mediums of art? So different mediums of art. Do you mean like um, clay sculpting, painting, and then going back into the digital world of Blender, things like that? Yeah. I, th I, I talk about um, this in the game asset pack section as well. Real life really does help you understand the 3D world much better. So I, I'm, I come from an area... Uh, I come from an angle of saying, with the Gothic Church, I go. I went to go visit Lincoln Cathedral in Lincolnshire in the UK, and actually being able to get there and seeing what things look like, seeing what things feel like, being able to get a textural feel of the environment that you're in, really does help with your modelling. And also, sometimes if you take a photo you can't see the underside of something or you can't get around to the back of something. You can't see its proper shape. Um, even with photogrammetry, you can't always get the the, the bits that are inside. So I, I think being able to um, extrapolate that back out to other bits of artwork, I, I think it helps you think about what you're creating and also being able to build up skills that help speed you up. So sketching an idea on a bit of paper you can probably get a rough idea out in the same time it takes for your computer to boot up. So, And you don't need power to do that as well. So being multidisciplined, you don't have to be brilliant at it, um, but obviously you'll get better with practice. But being able to just transfer your skills over to, I mean, drawing and then bringing that over, perhaps scanning it in or taking a photo, bring it over into Blender and then continuing your work is a great way of doing it. Um, Whereas it comes to like sculpting or carving, 
I'm not sure how how important some of those skills would be, except when it comes to maybe um, the sculpting side of things. There's a lot of parallels when you're in Blender, you switch over to sculpting mode. Some of the tools, you start to realize they're named after techniques that you would use in real life. But I'm not sure whether going off and actually doing some clay work <laughs> would necessarily be uh, a great use of your time because you can certainly learn all those skills in the 3D world as well. well that's true. I guess you just have to decide what's what's important. Maybe spend like five, ten minutes, but not really going into it. Yeah, and some things are more accessible than others. So, like there, the clay sculpting, you need a, an environment, a, a kiln to fire it at the end of it, uh, glazing or paint that's suitable for that. Um, if you go down that route, um, pen and paper, you don't need much in the way of tools. I remember when I was big into my acrylic painting, you, you can very easily rack up a, a sort of 500 pounds, six, six or 700 dollars worth of equipment before you've even put your first brush stroke down um, for that particular bit of work. So I, I, some of these other other artistic endeavors just cost a lot more. Blender, I've run on a a Samsung N150, which is an old netbook, um, when they first introduced those Atom processors. Yeah, it ran like a pig, but it, it ran. So th there is something to be said by the fact that um, the accessibility of certain tools is a lot a lot easier to get hold of. And Blender, because it can do so much, uh, include, and the, I think 2.82's got a lot of the 2D stuff coming in, a lot of the painting and drawing stuff. Um, being improved massively there. And I think we're going to see um, a lot more 2D artwork done in Blender, a lot more accessibility when it comes to painting your own textures as well. Um, that was one of the big things with 2.79 that was a real nightmare to do, trying to paint your own textures within Blender. I pretty much have said just export your image elsewhere with your UV map on there so you can paint over it and, you know, print it out and then draw on it manually it'll be easier to do than actually using blender but that's changed now which is oh really gosh. what what do you find easier to develop 2d or 3d models because it seems like 3d is is in my mind easier because it's easier to model real life objects that's a great question i I struggle in 2D when it comes to things like perspective. So that's where being able to model in 3D really helps. I often, for some reason, my, my uh, perspective lines always end up on different horizons. I never did get around to sorting that out. But um, I suppose it's how I've developed and my particular sort of personal pipeline is that I, I just use the 2D world for rough sketches for maybe color palette ideas, and then use the computer to augment that. So bring that sketch in and then develop. Um, 3D shapes, however, can be difficult depending on what you're trying to make. So if you were trying to develop something that was organic, it's often a lot more difficult than something um, like a car, which tends to be less organic or a building. Those things are relatively easy to create because they are simple extrusions. Whereas something more organic starts to take on um, much more difficulty in trying to get the shapes and proportions correct. That makes sense. And what's an effective exercise you could give someone right now to do in Blender? 
Wow. If you're just switching over from an older version to 2.8 and forward, it'd be using the left mouse button. <laughs> <laughs> we use that. I agree with that one, yeah. Um, an effective exercise for people. I, I would say if, if you had Blender in, open in front of you now, um, model something that you don't like. So if you're not into architecture, go find a simple building and model it. Low poly doesn't have to be um, fantastic. Let go of any. You're not showing this to anybody. It's just a personal challenge. If you or or not necessarily don't like, but that you you feel like you can't do. Like I mentioned, animals. Perhaps go model an elephant or a saber toothed tiger or a, a, a diplodocus or a diplodocus. You know, go model something that you've not modelled before and time box it. What's a diplodocus? And, and, <laughs> and laugh at the end result. Oh, yeah. you know being able to laugh at your work is is uh is important when you're doing those challenges diplodocus is a dinosaur by the way kevin oh wow okay, never you, you got the english accent in there <laughs> so on a, a, i shouldn't say a different subject but so you know a lot of people always Maya or 3D Studio, you know, some of the other, what they would consider more premier uh, 3D software. Do you see, I mean, obviously free is a plus with Blender, but do you see anything really within Blender that's holding people back or limitations? I mean, to me, Blender seems like a very complete package, especially for a new person, but even later as well. Yes, totally. So um, there are a couple of angles you can come at it from. So if you were going into industry, if that's what you wanted to do to get a job in the uh, computer graphics industry, they just care about your portfolio. You can retrain to use Maya 3D Studio, whatever they're actually using. You'll probably have to go through some sort of training process to get into whatever pipeline they're using in their studio. So the whole you've got to learn X because X is used in industry. I don't buy that at all. If you can produce amazing artwork, that would be that would be enough to get you into that job. Obviously, knowing those bits of software, they're a bonus. Um, but what holds Blender back? I don't think anything's holding Blender back, and I think it's going from strength to strength. When you look at industry, a lot of them haven't adopted Blender yet because they've invested millions in training. They've invested millions in bespoke plugins for these bits of software it's not just a matter of switching over it's very easy to get that mindset when you're an individual like i'm not paying two thousand pounds or when i can just use this free bit of software over here that's just as good and it is just as good the only thing that perhaps that maya and blend uh, not, sorry maya 3d studio or the autodesk suite basically there have is you can call someone up you know that two thousand pounds not just for the software if you've got a problem with the software, those big studios will be able to call up those big companies and they'll sort stuff out. And I think that's um, the big push with Blender recently. You've probably seen it if you're into Blender is uh, uh, the Unreal grants have come in for it. All a load of big name studios have also put their their, their money towards Blender. And I, I can real a serial shift there towards supporting Blender and bringing it more and more into industry. Does the same apply for GIMP, would you say? 
that's an interesting one. I'd say no at the moment with GIMP. I would, it, it, in terms of what an indie can use it for, I think it's brilliant. Um, I think in English, it's just too slow at the moment to be used in the same way perhaps Photoshop, which is its comparator, I suppose, sure. would be. Um, okay. I, I've, I've, I've done some things. I've been actively frustrated in GIMP and found out I had to go to find a plugin for it to do it um, with things that are just there and available in Adobe. And again, that's the, the money behind it. If, if that sort of software was used more often and had grants coming its way, I'm sure it would improve just as quickly as Blender has. Sure. Um, but by no, by no means is GIMP a poor program, um, but it does have some of its limitations um, that have have a lot um 2.810 i think has come out that's made that's made a big difference to the overall interface and there are other things that, along with gimp you've got inkscape and there's a beta version at the moment that's super quick compared to the old version so that would be the equivalent of something like indesign so if you were using indesign and you wanted to switch to something that's that was free because Adobe's charging maybe $50 a month or whatever it is for this, the, uh, whether they call it their creative suite, then I still wouldn't do it. I'll stick with that because you're going to have far more pain at the moment with, um, with those free programs. And the other thing that's um, just come to top of mind here, I'm not sure whether Unreal does actually, but I know that Unity opens PSDs. And that's a big thing. You don't have to export it as a PNG. So being able to just keep it as its native format is brilliant. True, true. Should young should young artists be involved with new technology, or should they stick to the old stuff when learning? What do you, what do you define as old technology? I guess just like older tutorials, older videos, or even okay. for instance, like let's say we have like VR stuff. Focus on drawing and then go into like VR type of drawing, like artists. That's an interesting question. That so, in terms of um, moving forward, I, I mean, I've always been uh, uh, one of those people who likes bleeding edge stuff, and I just have to watch my bank balance for all oh, new processors that come out, new graphics card. I got to hold, zip the wallet tight and hide it somewhere. Um, so, new new technologies are great. They tend to. Unless they are software. I mean, the great thing at the moment is you can go to the experimental part of the Blender website and download the latest build of 2.82 right now. And it'll probably be buggy and not work properly in certain areas. But that's that's part of the fun, if you can call it that. And the same with Unreal. You can go onto the Unreal prototype branch and download their latest, their latest build that they've got going on. So as long as you're not doing something on your computer where that would overwrite your current engine that you're using, whether that be Unreal, Unity, or whatever. And also, with Blender, you don't overwrite your main copy. And remember to do sensible things like back up your software just in case you open up something and save it a new version, which prevents you opening it um, in the older version. There's all sorts of things like that. In terms of VR, I... My, I, I love VR. I've, I've played with it several times. I do not own any VR equipment. I'm still finding it incredibly difficult to justify the expense of it. That you can get, um, I think it's down to four, four, $500 now, the new Oculus Rift, which is a very compelling uh, product. But I still think that's, that's still 
dollars on top of a computer that can run VR really well, you're starting to push maybe a couple of grand. And that is still quite inaccessible for many, many people. So whilst it's great to be able to use that type of equipment, it's just not accessible enough for the mainstream, I think. It's been my argument. (laughs) Still too expensive. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I really want VR. There's several games that I've seen. I really want to play Alien Isolation, um, and then <laughs> and then shudder in the corner for a bit. From what I've heard, no, the PSVR is having a sale on Black Friday. If you had a PlayStation, I don't know if there's any R taps on the PlayStation. No, That's... well, I think there's an R game. To be honest, I think there's a game where you can like do art stuff, but it's not like being, doing Blender. No, not at all. I no, not think. at all. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> But still, something to mess around with in VR. Now, what do you think is like the major mistakes new game TV students make when doing Blender courses or any art courses? Or not ours. starting the course. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, so one of the things that I, I, I come across a lot, and I, I try and get around it as quickly as possible, but there is some setup required to make sure things are working properly. Little things like. Um, going to your user preferences and turning on CUDA so that if you've got a graphics card or OpenCL or Optics, whichever option you've got available to you. Um, so just making sure you're set up and ready to go is really important. So, you know, try, try not to skip the stuff that feels really boring but needs to be said. Um, I try and mix as much of that impo- as possible within the general teaching. Oh, by the way, we're, we're about to do uh, cycles. So let's go and check out that setting. But if you don't get to that, I think in the Blender course, we don't touch cycles properly until the um, animated lamp section. So if you skip past the beginning section going, well, I know all that basic stuff anyway, and started going along and try to use cycles, you can guarantee there's some of the people that are asking the questions in the Q&As on Facebook, on the forum, that have just missed that little bit of information at the beginning. So not skipping through stuff and if you think you know something, go towards the end of that particular section and see what the end product is and go and make it. Don't say, I can do that. Um, put your money where your mouth is and actually go and make the uh, pyramid at the end of um, section two, for instance, or a chessboard without any other guidance. You know, that that's that's the thing there. If you think you can do those things, go and test yourself and make sure you can. Definitely, and then share with everyone Put your stuff out in the forums, Q&A, Facebook yeah. groups. Or, or, or the other thing is, um, is just go an extra mile. If you already know Blender and you're using it as a refresher, that's brilliant. Take those simple, that chess scene and use all of the other stuff you know. If you already know about texturing, well, go put on some awesome textures on there. If you know more about sculpting, well, go into those little models and make them awesome. You know, there's nothing to, not, nothing to stop you applying a multi-resolution modifier to those chest pieces and just going at it with the sculpting tools. See what you come up with. You never know what you create. Sometimes you just go for it. Now, how important is it to go to art events and conventions? That's a good question. Um, as, when I was younger, I certainly went um, to more things that I could get to. Now that I have kids, that's nearly impossible. <laughs> so... <laughs> wish anybody with children will testify until they get to 18 and then they just you give them money to get them out of the house is what i've heard um so i i think if you're a social person i think it does depend on the 
the the person that you are so if you're a really social person and you enjoy being around people that sort of environment is going to inspire you you're going to be able to make great connections but you don't have to go somewhere to do that you could do that um on on our forum for instance you're there you're chatting with someone you get a good vibe with them you dm them and, and start talking about a project you want to work together and those sort of things can really um develop into long-lasting friendships um so i don't believe it's important for everybody to do that but the type of people that it suits totally go out there have a look at what's out there and it can be great if you're trying to get into industry um in, if, if, pe if people start to recognize you that can certainly help when trying to uh, get jobs in certain places as the old saying goes it's who you know not what you know exactly and usually it's, it's who you know and then it's also after you meet them it's what you know once you get in the door Seriously. yeah, oh, yeah. But, um, that, that that's something i notice in the game industry a lot like the first steps are way harder than most other professions uh, just go with richard branson's advice say you can do it and then learn how to do it once you're there there you go take it till you make it <laughs> well there, there is some truth in that um i would certainly say so for instance if you in industry if you if you were in a job you would be tasked with creating let's say a crate as a game asset you're a junior in the arts department they're going to give you the simple props that they're going to put in into their game rather than the main character now you can produce tons of props and say look i'm a prop artist they don't know if that took you three years to develop all of those props or 30 days and obviously when you get into industry you'll be pushed to create in a certain time frame so yeah the, Faking it till you make it can apply to not only the skill level that you can do, but how quickly you can achieve that skill level as well. Absolutely. Yeah, and once you're in the door, you'll learn or get oh, yeah, out. You'll, you'll be surrounded by people who, who you, especially in an open environment like a lot of development studios now are. Um, you'll be when you're just chatting at break time. You know, oh, did you do X? And they'll go, Oh no, I, I did it this way. You go, oh, that's really cool. And you've just saved yourself 30 minutes on your next project. So, um, surrounding yourself with people, whether or not it's in industry or as part of like, like a little learning pod is a really good thing to do. And it's something we're, we're sort of tossing the idea about at game dev is being able to form these learning pods. It's, it's difficult because we've right. got international students, time, zones and all that but it can definitely be done and being able to work with someone even just one other person usually you find that one plus one is going to eat three loads of output which is really awesome no that's a definite because yeah because these these are real review calls not even sharing code but just being around like each other has helped me so much and improving and and i feel like it's helped everyone and then the whole podcast started because of it. And then even now, Aaron and I sometimes talk about stuff. And it just, it just helps a lot when you just start putting yourself out there, start meeting with people, start talking about stuff. Even if it's not like it directly being like, hey, you should be doing this and this. It's more like just being around and motivates you, inspires you, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I, don't know, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm, when, I, when I'm meeting up with someone regularly, it's nice to have something new to talk about. And that might be, in this, in this example, a new model that you've made or a new technique you've discovered or further code. You know, oh, I've implemented this bit of my game. And those sorts of little milestones help you feel accomplished and also give you something to share. And there's almost like that uh, feeling that you've got to have something ready to share when you meet up. Yeah, and no, you, also get, 
this feeling that your friend is doing something cool, so you want to do something cooler, and then he comes up with something <laughs> way cooler. Bits of competition to... is awesome. Definitely, yeah. the competition helps. Friendly yeah. competition. Yeah, definitely. And then one of you makes well. <laughs> makes well. Um, what tips do you have some for someone who's actually already in the game industry and just want to keep improving? That's a that's a great question. So if you're in industry and if you're trying to improve, you can often be stuck in a job. I've I've, I've, I've come across lots of people that are they, they they've been niched, they've been pigeonholed into what they're doing, and often what's difficult is actually. It's, not not doing the same thing anymore um and improving their skills i mean it's quite possible to become an expert in one particular area and then not be you know you're, you're kept in industry in that area because you're so good at it but you want to develop so what i'd advise uh, not just with this but with most things is that if you want to start something new what's adjacent to what you're currently doing so if you are great at texturing perhaps going to materials would be an awesome sidestep because it's so close to texturing you'll be able to use a lot of your current skills to accelerate that learning process and as you learn about uh, materials and shaders perhaps you start getting into shading code and again you start to take your knowledge from that and apply it across and that's a great way rather than jumping from textures to something completely different start with something adjacent to what you've currently got and then it'll be much easier, and you won't feel so um, so naive, so novice about that. You won't be a noob for it. Exactly. Don't want to be a noob for too long. Now, what would you say to artists who think their artwork isn't good enough? Share it. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Yeah. Uh, we, most artists think their work's not good enough, um, is never finished, that sort of um, stuff. So... Um, as I've mentioned before, time box your work so you can just you reach a natural end point. That's the end. It's one of the great things about um, when you're doing exams. I don't like exams, by the way, um, but is that there is a time limit to prove or to do the task you're given. And so sharing your work is one of the best ways of getting feedback. Um, and feedback's quite difficult. Good feedback is quite difficult to get because people will go, that's brilliant. But it doesn't tell you why it's brilliant. Or they'll say, that's rubbish. But it doesn't tell you why it's rubbish. It could be rubbish in their eyes because the colours don't match. It's just a cacophony of colours. Or the, there's no contrast. The image doesn't pop out. There's so many things that can be, quote-unquote, wrong with something that you don't get the feedback that you need in order to improve. So not only putting your work out there but also looking at other people's work and being critical of it but not offensive about it say what's good about it say what's bad about it and it's one of those things that if you're in a community like ours that does that you end up with this cycle of oh these things are really good but these things i think you could try these other things giving suggestions you'll get suggestions back so sharing your artwork will certainly give you a metric to measure against if you never share your work how do you know it's no good i mean it, it, if you look at the um some of the greatest artists i don't like their artwork <laughs> at all but they're great because of what they do in their particular niche i'm trying to th trying to think of the name of the uh 
one that I'm thinking of at the moment, and I'll uh, see if I can come up to it, <laughs> come back to it in a moment. Picasso. Picasso might be a great <laughs> example with uh, with his uh, angular drawings and misshaped faces. Yep. You might not like the uh, the style of uh, who's the sunflower guy, uh, Vincent Van Gogh. Um, you may not like his style of painting. That's fine. You, it's, you're entitled to have an opinion and not like that particular thing. But I'm sure you could also find something good, something that you can learn from in his particular work. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's interesting because you can post some of your stuff and some people might not like it, but maybe it's good for the specific studio you want to work for or something like that. Maybe you have to take some advice as a grain of salt, some feedback. Yeah, I, I only accept fee- I only accept feedback personally if it contains some sort of qualifier. So right. good, bad, brilliant, those are just words until you qualify them with why that is the case. Mm, okay. And and one of the things that I've done for some students before, I think this was again going back to the bridge scene. Um, a lot of the scenes that people end up rendering. And a lot of renders actually end up too dark. They've not got enough light in them. Now, I've all I've done is I've simply gone into Photoshop or any or GIMP and just tweaked the levels so that the contrast is full range. There's a bright white in there all the way down to a deep black. And suddenly their image pops. So they just added a bit more light into the scene and giving them an example of what that might look like if they did is, is great. And post-processing is something that a lot of people forget about as well. Um, you, you just output a render and send it off. Well, there's the compositor in Blender, or you could take your final render image and pop it into Photoshop, GIMP, wherever, and tweak it even further. And that can really add something that you wouldn't have had otherwise. And some of the best renders out there will have some sort of post-rendering effects applied to them. You know, I've noticed it, actually, as you said it. I've seen a lot of like renders where they're kind of dark. I've seen this one cool guy post lately, um, Star Wars renders, and they've been really cool. And I didn't know you could do it in Blender, but you can do a cartoon shader type thing. It looks yeah, like it was shader. Com- yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah, if you get if you get that shader right, you've got a comic book, and you can essentially just set up your scenes, screenshot it, and there you go. That's a scene for your comic. Yeah, we never think you could do Blender with use Blender for that. But yeah, uh, shaders are something that are really, really. Um, boggle my mind it's something i do want to get into eventually um there's a website called shader toy i think it's shadertoy.com i'll just check now whilst i'm here but that gives you an idea of what just code can produce yeah it's shadertoy.com um just the things that you're able to do with just code is amazing and it boggles me how some of these things are just a few lines of code and they create this amazing, sometimes even animated and fluid scene. Um, but going back to uh, shaders in general, if you understand how shaders work, you can customize shaders. So in Blender, for instance, the shader that you may use the most is the principal shader. Uh, that's one of the new ones that's come along. And it's it's really useful for making physically based renders. So it's physically approximately accurate which is great but not if you're trying to make something that's not physically accurate um remember that being realistic is just a style at the end of the day when it comes to artwork tune shading is another style low poly is another style high contrast there are so many different ways you can take your work 
and with a custom shader that can really make something that no one else can make which is it's always good to have something unique so unreal has a shader built in are you gonna kind of touch into that in the unreal course I think that might be a bit deep for the Unreal course, especially since the Unreal course, uh, the remastered one that we're doing at the moment, is tr- we're trying to keep it focused on C++. And it's it'd be very easy to go off on a uh, scope slip and end up producing loads of other that stuff. That makes sense. Um, I mean, I'm that trying to make sure that things are polished and look awesome, um, but probably not so far as to do custom shaders. Um, the um, the inclusions in the building escape, for instance, uh, the, there's going to be extra lighting. Um, we're going to use BSP in a couple of lectures time to actually mock out a level rather than just sticking blocks around. Sure. BSP is really powerful do, for doing that block work. And then we'll talk about how how to apply materials. We won't go too deep into materials, but understanding the fundamentals for them is really useful. It just enables you to make a level that looks better than someone who doesn't know how to use materials. Yeah. Will we ever be going over importing stuff from Blender to Unreal? Not directly. You would if you would have all the knowledge with the Blender course and the Unreal course. I've made a little doorway uh, with a door in it as an FBX that we will be importing in the Unreal course that's been directly exported from Blender. So yes, asterisk, you'll need both courses to see both sides of the argument. There you go. And you get on the new platform. And um, is the 2.8 remaster done on the new platform or is it still in progress? Uh, 2.8 is still in progress. So we switched around the um, anim- no, after the animated lamp in the original course, we had the fluffy bunny, which is so-called name because of the uh, hair. So we go over particle systems yeah. in, in in the fluffy bunny. But we've moved that back later in the course because so many people started putting hundreds of thousands of particles on their bunnies and their computer would freeze because they put hundreds of thousands of particles on their bunnies. So we've moved the game asset pack section forward, which teaches you how to model UV unwrap specifically for game. So there are certain things in there like, uh, for instance, if you're not seeing the base of a building that you've modeled, uh, well, you wouldn't have that face showing. You would remove it because that isn't required. And if it's there when you UV unwrap, then you're wasting texture space. Um, Just as a little inkling into that. And then after that will be the fluffy bunny. And then sculpting is the final big section. And then there's just a few uh, fun sections at the end of the course, 10 or 20 lectures or so of VFX um, incorporating a model into a real scene and then a real video, which is pretty awesome. And then destruction and defamation. Who does not like blowing stuff up? Oh, that's the best part. (laughs) (laughs) So I can't wait for Battle Tank to blow stuff up. But no, that'd be great. (laughs) Is there going to be a remaster for the other Blender courses or just the original? Uh, Just be the original for the moment. The environments course is in 2.8 but it started back when it was in beta so there are there's a bit of a learning curve jump in some places where they've moved something or renamed it um and the characters course i don't know at the moment what the plan is for that so that'll be discussed amongst the team i mean when it comes to a business decision i'd love to make everything all up to date and everything else but of course if it's not a a popular enough course we've always got to think about how how we can remaster a course and still 
it make financial sense as well. That's one of the big challenges that always comes. Of course, we've remastered Blender, Unity, and Unreal for free, which is which is great for you guys as well. And it's great for making sure those co- those big courses are all up to date. But the more niche courses, it may not be a remaster. It may be a completely new course. I don't know. It'll be, it will be sometime in the middle of 2020 if that does happen. Nice. Oh, I agree, though. Time is money, so... You gotta pick the right courses, yeah. Because it takes a while to remaster. Yeah, the biggest the biggest challenge when it comes to remastering is when you think you can do it one to one, as as per the previous one. So yeah, oh yeah, I just take what's there and just repeat everything as in the new version. It doesn't work like that, I'm afraid. <laughs> you you start uh, this. I came across this almost immediately with Blender. I was like, right, the first section that's a really simple one. Let's do it. Oh no! Everything's moved. No, it can't be a one-to-one mapping. Damn it! New, new, new section required. So it ends up not just being a, a, a carbon copy of the old version in the new. It ends up being basically a new course or a new section, maybe. Exactly. Yeah, we I think we were discussing that before with like the Unreal remaster. It's like you can almost just maybe redo sections of it, not necessarily the whole thing, right? You don't totally. have a really so- concrete outline, but. Just redo yeah, that. Yeah, so the, ba- the battle section. tank um, is too large a section. So it sounds like if we're going from maybe 130 odd lectures, I can't remember what it is, but down to, let's say, 40, oh, but we're losing so much content. You'll probably find we'll be able to get most of the value of those 130 and condense it into uh, those 40 lectures, or take those 130 lectures and make two sections from it that cover what was covered there before. Um, but we'll we'll decide that when we get to it in the new year. Yep. You could always do a part one and part two. That way they get that win. They're like, oh, I finished the part one of Battle Tank. Let me go to part two. I don't know. It'd be interesting. Yeah, it's back to those quick wins. If you, if you've got oh, hundred lectures to go, I thought I'd, I'd be finishing this by now. It's it's demotivating for a student. I I totally get that. <laughs> Probably demotivating for the teacher too. You got a hundred more videos to record. No. <laughs> so if someone's modeling for their prototype, how long yeah. do you recommend that they spend on a individual model as a as a new student's, you know, however you want to kind of phrase that? I'm going to answer this like a politician and say it depends. Okay, so it does depend on what you're modeling. So if you're modeling your main character, um, that's going to be much more involved than if you're prototyping a couple of props for your scene. So there's going to be a slider that you can move up and down and say, well, this is the main character. Even when I flesh them out really roughly, it's going to take longer than the box that needs to be in the corner or the coffee machine if it was in a kitchen, whatever. Um, so there's going to be that. But in terms of modeling, you're new. if you're also very new to it, do you need things animated perfectly? Do you need them animated at all? You know, you can quite easily create a character in a static pose, and then when you're using them in a game or even blocking out where they're going to be in a scene, well, you can just rig them and slide them around the floor. You don't have to have an animation applied yet. Right. There's all sorts of uh, shortcuts that you can make that feel bad, and you wouldn't necessarily want to show someone that because it's... Um, you often get, I can't remember what you call it now. Mine's gone blank. Not a prototype, but a sandbox. You call it a sandbox where you're just testing something out. 
and often you don't want to show off sandboxes because they look a little rubbish uh, but if concept. you posed your character so if you make a character and then make a quick rig where you can just move the arms like we did with cube dude um in the characters course then you're able to position a character and they they feel more alive than they would have done even if they if you just try to put everything in there it would just take far too long so I, I would say back to that time boxing if you're making simple props 15 20 minutes tops with your first iteration you can pretty much model anything low poly within that time if it's a character i'll give you a bit of a break and give you 30 minutes for it um and again it does depend on uh, your skill level if sure. you're brand brand new it's going to take you five times longer than oh this is the 18th one of these that i've made one of the things that i would um say as well is don't try and make everything yourself and there are loads of shortcuts in huber on youtube i um i can't remember what it's really short videos and they're quite funny to watch in blender and he will make a cityscape by doing loads of little neat little little tricks like he'll take a photo of a building and just uh, stretch it out apply uv unwrap stretch it out twist the uv slightly so it looks better and before you know you've got something that's awesome for something in the distance because you're never getting that close to it that you'd notice um its flaws and i think that way of modeling um is great for those sort of prototyping scenes do you need a high quality texture on something no not at the moment brilliant well don't spend hours looking for that perfect texture just slap a stone texture or a grass texture get get the feeling of what it's supposed to be without having to make right. it look absolutely perfect okay do you think we'll ever see a, a section where we have to make like a small animated blender movie yes that's the, the the vfx at the very end i mean i mean we've got a small movie at the end of the animated lamp section you guys will make and and, and this is one of the best sections for student taking it off on their own i've seen five minute movies and i only asked the challenges to make a 10 second video and they make five minutes um and one of the best animations i've seen from the course is the animated lamp um the, the person had obviously had a bit more blender experience than the average student but they really took it to the nth degree they, i think they said it took them about three weeks to do and another week to render um, which is which is mind-boggling and yeah so there's the uh, small small movie the 10 second one in the animated lamp and towards the end of the course with vfx where we're combining a 3d model with a real video again we we cover it there as well we touch a bit bit more upon the video sequencer in blender because you have to watch memory it's not very efficient at managing memory so you can quite easily run out of memory and ends up being really slow to do things yeah but that's one of the great things about blender you know it, it's not one program i think a lot of people forget that it's, it's a suite of programs it's got a texturer it's got a uv unwrapper it's got a modeler it's got a i say texture materials section it's got a sculpting and if you look at uh, programs going back to sort of the maya 3d studio comparison maya really comes from an organic modeling animation front I'm not sure if it's got anything to any tools in it to do with sculpting. I'm, don't quote me on that. And it's certainly got no video editing properties, whereas you've got all of these extra things in Blender. Um, so I do cut Blender a lot of slack for the fact that it is a suite of programs all tightly knit together, which is awesome the way that they've done that. Yeah, I think Blender is an amazing, amazing program. 
and uh, more people should use it. <laughs> yeah. I find the interface a bit overwhelming, but that's yeah. okay. But so is Maya and 3DS Max when you open Oh, it. absolutely. Yeah, yeah uh, um, this type of software is pretty hard to try to learn by yourself. Sometimes you have to suck it up and study. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a consequence of it being so powerful. You can do so much in it, and to do so much, they don't hide everything from you, unfortunately. You don't click on a button and it shows you all the things you can do. It's just like, here's all the stuff you can do. And then a newcomer just looks at it and goes, well, what do I press? Well, of course, you delete the default cube, first of all. We all know this. Yeah, come on. They should know as they hop on into Blender. But um, <laughs> what, uh, what materials should they use with the Blender course? Like any books, any other videos? So I'm a big fan of complementary learning. So... There will be certain points in the Blender course where it doesn't matter how many times you watch the video, my teaching style matched with your learning style, something's not connecting there. That will happen from time to time. And I'm a firm believer that you shouldn't just learn from one source. You should learn from as many different sources as you can. Online videos are great because you can see what's going on. Um, certain things you will have, have to turn to a book because that will be the best reference. I mean, the internet is one big book as well. You can go and research things on there. And depending on your skill level and your competency and how well you can visualize the tool in your head will depend how useful those extra learning avenues are. So, for instance, if I'm looking up um, someone's custom shader that they've created for a material, that's pretty much um, what I can do now in terms of, oh yeah, I can follow this along and I understand what it's doing without having Blender open. If you're at the stage where you can't do that, um, I would recommend turning on something like Node Wrangler. I think it's control and click to show uh, a sort of a viewer as to what's going on. And then you can go through the nodes and actually have an appreciation of what they're doing. And that's how I built up my knowledge of what these things do is by just following through and just seeing what's happening in the background no i agree it's really it's really about like surrounding yourself with learning materials it's also why i love this podcast because i want to help people continue to learn even when they're not on the actual courses at home they can be learning on the go while they're cooking all the stuff like that okay so i i i watch um uh, blender today when that when that comes out i don't often get to watch it live unfortunately uh, but when the Blender devs are updating what they what they've done this week, that's often on in the kitchen, you know, as I'm preparing dinner or something along those lines. The problem with those for me is that they're an hour or maybe up to an hour and a half long. I'm like, ah, oh, man, how am I going to find time to watch this? Well, if I've got my headphones on and I'm preparing dinner, well, there we go, problem solved. So up the complexity of your dinner. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's never that complex. <laughs> I get it. But yeah, so for anybody, you know, after watching, listening to this and heading home, what challenge would you give them? You can, it can be any type of challenge. Be like, go make this or go study this. I, I, I want to fall back on the challenge I set earlier. I, I, I really like the idea of not, <laughs> of finding something you don't know how to model. If you've never modeled a car before or never modeled an animal Pick that, give yourself 20, 30 minutes and model it. Simple as that. Like if, it. It, if it was a, well, let's say it's a coding challenge instead. I mean, recently um, 
as I was mentioning it right at the very beginning about Python, recently I, I decided to make a totem pole just in just using Python codes. And so it, 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 you had to go to the Blender interface, look up on the websites of the Blender APIs, the Python APIs, and actually find the, the code statements that you needed in order to print this thing. And then I had a bit of fun. I rotated all the components randomly. It basically went square, cylinder, square. Come on. Cube, cylinder, cube, cylinder, cube, cylinder. But I also said, oh, what if I made the cylinder twice as complex as it went up because when you create a cylinder you define how many vertices it's made of so i started at eight and then i made sure that the next one had 16 and the next one had 32 and so i i gave myself extra challenges because i completed that first little run i was like okay i've still got time left what else can i do what simple thing can i do well let's see if we can do x y or z to the model so it ended up with random rotation and varying degrees of complexity so you could take, that's a Blender example, of course, and you can take that across into coding in any circumstance. How can you make your game just that little bit more fun? If you're doing a text adventure, like at the beginning of uh, the Unity course, or if you're doing the bull cow game where we're playing with the terminal, what extra things can you add to that? Um, and I think opening up other projects that you've done before is a nice, a nice way of expanding. What you've just learned, open up a project you've done before and see if you can apply it to that. And that will work well with some things and less well with others. Certainly with modeling, that's that's something I really enjoy. So I've just learned about how to um, import, let's say, an HDR image into the environment. So you've now got an environment texture. Okay, brilliant. Go, go to your other models and import it into those as well and see the dramatic improvement it makes to the in entire scene. I think adding adding to your previous projects is a good challenge as well as trying something new. Definitely, challenge. I agree. Yeah, can't go wrong with that one. And, um, I'm going to ask a question. Hold on. So, well, you can, okay. you can go. I was just going to say, no, no, when no. we talked a while back with another artist, his recommendation was to avoid modeling humanoid characters animating in the beginning would you say that, that holds true in your opinion his, his point was that it's really hard to get it right basically so yeah it's, it's, it's a difficult one i can see where they're coming from and on one on, yes in, in answer <laughs> yes and you should do it anyway um because it's because it's difficult when you when you when you first model your first human head it will not look human i can guarantee like that it all it, it just won't <laughs> so it's it's challenging because unless you start something, you're never going to improve at it. If you're absolutely brand new to it and you're 100% certain that character modeling is your thing, and perhaps you perhaps you're already a, a good artist and you can sketch people and you, you're moving over and you want to be able to sculpt people in 3D, um, I would say that you should just stick to that. So in, in contrary to the other bit of advice there, it does depend as, as always what you're trying to do. So yeah, I, I would say yes and do it anyway because it's it's the difficult thing and nothing worth doing is ever easy. It's always a difficult thing to do. Fair enough. So um, we're going to wrap it up. It was a pleasure having you on and hopefully we'll That's see you in another lots one. lots of fun. Yeah. And uh, we're going to hand the mic to you and if you want to say anything and promote the new platform or give any inspiration, we'll hand it off to you. Oh, thank you. I wasn't expecting that. Ah, okay. <laughs> monologue time. 
well, thank you for joining us. And if you managed to stick around for the hour or so that we've been chatting away, thank you for listening. Um, so I've been Michael Bridges. Um, I've been working with Game Dev for years now, and I'm really enjoying creating stuff that gets you guys going. I think that's the the biggest thing for me is just getting feedback from all of the students, seeing what they're up to. And genuinely, when I ask, uh, please share your work, I am genuinely interested in seeing what you're getting up to. Now, I, I've been likened to the... I can't remember what her name is from Monsters, Inc. But I'm always watching, even if I'm not typing there on the forum saying excellent work, etc. I'm always there just looking at work. You could only imagine how many. Yeah, that's great. So I'd have to type <laughs> when, when going through the forum. With everybody I think she was that. called like Agent One or something. The lady that yes. was like, yeah, watching. <laughs> yes. So yeah, please please do share your work. And obviously, as you brought up there, the the new platform's going brilliantly. There's going to be a lot of change, and we really appreciate the the support you've all given us as we make this new platform up. There will be some changes as it comes along, so bear with us as we get everything sorted and everything put on there. There'll be some clunky things as we go, and if you find them, as always, uh, whether it's in a course or to do with the platform, if you let us know. We can do something about it, which is awesome. So thanks for your time, guys. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. You can find all GameDev.TV courses at courses.gamedev.tv slash courses or in the show notes with a 10% discount. Get started with your game development journey today.